Well, I want to share with you, actually, I had uh, the message that I preached. Did you know your pastor got asked to preach in California? Why, I don't know. Um, there's so much <laughs> more qualified people there, but I guess the Lord knew I had something to say that he had put on my heart, and uh, Pastor Nancy gave me a great honor and privilege. She's very kind to me. Um, she's very kind to me and to my wife. And uh, she said, you know, something, and, and, and okay, let me just, so I, I, because the message I preached on that Tuesday morning, so if you haven't heard it, go listen to Tuesday morning. I was going to preach it this morning because it's very important, and I am going to share it with the congregation, and I had, had my notes, and I had everything ready to do that, but while uh, we were worshiping the Lord, the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he said, don't preach on that this morning. And I said, okay, Lord, it's a good message. I know I'm going to get it out at some point, but if you don't want it this morning, what do you want? And so within about three minutes, he downloaded a sermon to me while I was standing here. And he said, that's what I want you to talk about this morning. So you understand that when the Lord comes like that, uh, for me to try to do something else that I think might be important or good for your spiritual edification would grieve him. And, and, that, and if I keep grieving him, he'll stop flowing and you'll stop anointing me the way, he, the way he does. So it's so important that I'm ready in season and out of season to do whatever he wants. And, uh, and, and, and what I don't have a title because I, I haven't been able to process everything properly, so there's no screen. But um, something Pastor Nancy said, she said, and I, and I, and I, I want to just, it's going to come across maybe splintered, but I believe there'll be a divine theme if you just listen, okay? Uh, sometimes those kind of flows are like that. But she said a number of times this week, uh, when she, not just when she preached, but at other times, she would say, the ones that are divine connections in my life, divine associations in my life, she said, I watch over and protect those associations. If you were watching it all, you would have heard. Or if you were there present, we had 27 congregation members come. And in fact, when she called out the Canadians on whatever day that was, night that was, I was even surprised at how many Canadians, because you think, but then they were all filing by. And, and, and you know, I, I just think, listen, my friends, whether you realize, and I didn't ask anybody to come. I didn't ask one person to come, except my wife. She's the only one I asked to come. I didn't ask one person to come this time. This was everybody's individual, even Reverend Taylor, I didn't ask him to come. He went at his own expense. I mean, this was everybody's own personal volition and choice to come and without me asking any or pushing anybody. Uh And and I want you to know something. It speaks more volume than you know to the other ministers because they think I'm pushing, pushing people. Why would we have 27 people come from Toronto? And other people that live much closer, there might be three or four or five or six from other churches. And we've got 27 coming from another country. And people think that I push people for that. And I told ministers, I said, I didn't even ask anybody to come. This is just them in their hearts, hungry for the word. And rec- listen to me, recognizing my divine association. Yes. Yes. See, this speaks volumes to the other ministers. They're recognizing my divine connection. And so they are getting around who I'm getting around because that's called spiritual divine order. Do you understand? And it it speaks to other ministers because I think they they start to connect dots in their mind of thinking, well, maybe I should be talking to my congregation more because if she's my divine connection, maybe some of mine should also come and support. Now, that's not a legalism because I didn't ask anybody. It's got to be birthed by the spirit. 
you understand? But it's important that pastors, are you listening to me? Pastors tell their congregation on a fairly regular basis who their divine connection is. Because if you don't know, or if there's not honor shown for that divine connection, then why would you make the effort to come out to my divine connection if you don't even know what it is? You wouldn't be able to come. You wouldn't care about coming. Do you understand? So I think it's important that, that it is said and that I emphasize it. Uh, and I, I just, I was impressed. I think the Holy Ghost was impressed that, it, that maybe he did more, touched more hearts who didn't listen. I don't know. That's, that's none of my, he didn't speak that to me. I, I, I'm just assuming that everybody that he touched their hearts came. And that was 27 people, praise God, which was wonderful. And I trusted they were blessed. It was a different kind of a flow this week. I, I, I like when pastor teaches more and when she's involved more, but the Holy Ghost chose to do it a little bit of a different way where she didn't share as much, but other ministers did. And there was flows of the spirit. And so we just want every river, whatever God wants, we want not get opinionated about it because you'll miss things if you get opinionated about it. And so anyway, the, the point is, is that she said, my divine connections are very special to me. Now, I noticed she said that, considering she didn't even preach one full sermon, she preached half a sermon the entire week, considering she didn't preach an entire sermon in all 11 services, she must have said this about three or four times that I counted. My divine associations are very important to me. And then she would say, listen to me, I'm helping you if you listen to me, because this is the Holy Ghost this morning, this is not my notes. She would say on the heels of that statement, don't you touch my divine connections. I protect them. If you have a problem with them, that's your problem. You can leave. Because my divine connections who run their race with me, these are special to me. Now, why do you think that's the Holy Ghost saying that through her? But let me just give you a hint. There's a lot of ministers that don't like Kenneth Copeland. You'd be shocked. And there's a lot of ministers that like Pastor Nancy that don't like Brother Copeland and refuse to come and support her Monday to Sunday, Monday to Friday to Saturday, the beginning of the conference when Brother Copeland is there, but will show up when she's there. Now, not everybody that shows up when she's there is against Brother Copeland, so don't, don't think that. I'm just saying I know, I know because people talk to me and I'm very private. I don't even tell Pastor Nancy. She don't need anything more on her plate. She don't need to know what people tell me. Just leave that alone. Let her focus on what she's focused on. She doesn't need any more burden to handle. But I know because people tell me personally how they don't like this, they don't like that, they're not supportive of this, they're not supportive of that. And I think even though they don't tell her and I don't say nothing, she picks things up in her spirit, but she doesn't always know exactly who's doing it or who's saying it, but she picks up in her spirit there's something's not clicking. Are you listening to me? With her spiritual children. That would be her congregation, but also the ministers under her. She picks up, there's something not quite right. And so she probably doesn't know who it is, but she'll say out of her spirit then, she'll speak those words like, don't touch my divine connection. I protect them. It's precious to me. Because she's picking up that other people are in disagreement, even though she may not know who. Are you listening to me? And so the Lord said to me, he said, that's what I want you to talk on today is what she said. Well, how do I make a whole sermon out of don't touch my divine connections? But he dropped some things inside me. And so I I believe it will be able to get it out with, with time to spare. Amen. It's important, first of all, that she knows who her divine connections are. Otherwise, she can't protect them. And she can't encourage other people not to touch them. Do you understand? 
Now, Brother Copeland is one of her divine connections. But then she said an interesting statement. She said, now, I don't have anybody in my pulpit. Are you listening? Out of courtesy invitations. Do you remember she said that? Those of you that watched? I don't do courtesy invitations because I feel sorry for people or because I like people or because I think they need an offering or because I like their gifting. I choose people that the Holy Ghost says have that person in. But then she also said, typically, not all the time, but, but I believe she referenced at one point that much of who's in the pulpit are part of her divine connections. That would make sense, wouldn't it? But that God could also speak to her to have somebody preach who's not necessarily a divine connection. If he authors it, then she's going to obey. But much of what she trusts the pulpit with are people that she is running her race with, that she trusts them so she trusts them in her pulpit because they're a divine connection. So from that statement alone would imply that I'm a divine connection in her life. Just because she's unusually, and I never expect it, and I always guard my heart like it's not going to, like, because I I don't ever want to stumble. So I go there just not expecting anything. I'm just happy to be in the building. I don't know if they're going to seat me on the front row. I don't know if I'm going to be at her table. I don't know if I'm going to preach. I'm just happy to be in the room because she's my supplier and I need to get something from her. So I guard my heart, but in her generosity and with what she said, that would imply that I'm a divine connection because she trusts me with her pulpit. Are you listening to me? Now, I know that not just because she trusts me with her pulpit, because that may not always happen. She's there, the Holy Ghost has to offer that. I know that because she looks at me right in my eyes and she says, you are a divine connection in my life. So if I had any ambiguity about it or any vagueness, that gets thrown out the window when she looks right at me and says, God has connected me with you, Jenny, you and Craig. And she says, and you're a divine, you're a divine supply in my life. So when, I, so when she says it point blank, I know it. But what does she say? She says, now don't touch those connections. She's telling other people. Now, I don't really think she's talking about me because she knows that people touch me. There's a sound of me hitting them and the sound of them hitting the ground. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. I don't think she's talking about me because I'm kind of nobody and and nobody really cares to attack me because there's really nothing to attack. Um, I don't think she's talking about me. I think she's talking about Brother Copeland and other people when she says, don't touch those connections. Do you understand? But my point is, is that the Holy Ghost kept bringing that up in my spirit while I was worshiping this morning. I know who my connections are. My divine connections are precious to me. Don't touch them because they're precious to me. And if you touch my connections, me and you got nothing more to talk about. That's the essence of what she said. Now that comes up in my spirit while I'm worshiping the Lord to talk about that. Because obviously there's something that this congregation needs to hear and it's important about about divine associations and divine connections. Are you listening to me? And so I said, well, Lord, I'll talk about that, but is there any other nuggets that you'd like to give me? And he's so kind. He don't expect us just to... He, sometimes he does, you know, you don't tell you nothing, but most times he does tell me. And he said, to remind them of Richard Roberts, I'm just writing in my phone for 30 seconds, just some point forms, just to remind myself in case I forget. But Richard Roberts, I don't even have the paper. I don't know if you have it, Taylor, but, but he, he handed out a thing of nine things that God had said to him, which I don't even have with me right now because I, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. But one of the nine, I don't know the number, but one of the nine things God said to him in this year, 2023, people that are not, that, that their hearts are not with you, that they're not interested in running with the vision that you have, they're going to get separated. And I'm going to, repl- what does he say? Sweep the, floor. Sweep the floor. Keep it clean. 
And he said, and I'm going to replace them with people that do want to run with you. Now, when he said that, my spirit moved. None of the other nine things, they're all good and I'll take them by faith, but none of the other things did my spirit move. I don't make my spirit move. The Holy Ghost was bearing witness. Pay attention. So then what I said before we went to camp meeting about uh, that, that, I think it was the Sunday night service, and I, we were t- sharing a little bit about Bethel and about what it represents and about how Bethel, remember I read, read through Jacob and Abraham, when they were in Bethel, what happened? And when Abraham was in Bethel, there was the situation with Lot. And, I, and I, he didn't speak to me at that moment. It just was a hint to me uh, in Bethel, Abraham, in the season of Bethel, uh, there was a separation of those that were not right. And then God spoke. Now, he said it's a season of speaking. But I was, there was a hint. He didn't speak, Greg. But there was a hint in that message, pay attention, because I told you what happened in Bethel with Abraham might happen with you. And so uh, in Bethel, the season for Abraham included uh, wrong associations being removed. But I don't want to say that in belief of that because I don't, I want wrong association, but I don't want people to leave the church. You know, my, my heart is a pastor. So I kind of let that go. But then when Richard Roberts said it, he brought that word back to me about Abraham and Bethel. And he said, now you thought that was just whatever, but I'm, I'm telling you now I'm speaking to you. Now my spirit moved. Then he spoke. Listen to this man of God, because he's telling you that in this season, 23 people that aren't running with the vision are going to get removed. And I've already hinted this to you on that sermon because I told you in Bethel with Abraham, Lot who didn't want to run with him got removed. So now I know, I wasn't sure Sunday night, but now I know that this year there are going to be certain people that are going to get removed. Some of you may be sitting here. Although that is not what I want and that is not what I desire. Uh, but, But because God has now spoken it clearly... And the people that are going to get removed are people that don't understand divine association. Because just like Pastor said, I protect my associations and you're not messing with it. And if you mess with it, me and you don't talk no more because that association and I stay strong. Now, if you don't have that same attitude about this local church and about me as your pastor with a protection of that divine association, if you don't have that, what's going to happen is other churches, the call to other places, the distraction of life, offense, little things that people do that bug you in the church, all these things are going to start working on you and what the devil's going to come and separate you because you never said, that's, you see, you got to say it. That's my divine connection, and nobody messes with it. If you don't say that, things will mess with it. Are you with me? And so I tell her on a regular basis, Mom, I'm committed to you. I say it in different words. I don't always say it the same way. But I say it to her in action, and I also say it to her by my actions, by my faithfulness, by what I, what I do for her, because I do a lot of things for her that people don't know. And I serve her, and I'm faithful, but most importantly, I say it with my words. And every, every, every time I see her, I, I make sure at some point, without saying it the same way and making it weird and awkward and strange, but I say it in some way, Mom, I just want you to know I'm committed to you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not moved by distance. I'm not moved by in, in, inconvenience. I'm not moved by what other people say. Uh, God, is, God has set you in my heart, and, and I'm with you, and I'm with you for the long haul. Amen. And it's important that I say, are you listening to me? It's important that I say that. Yeah. Now, I tell the Lord that, but it's also important that occasionally I say that to her. Do you understand? Because I'm protecting my associations. Because I've realized and I recognize what the Bible says that if you get separated from those associations, while it might seem like everything is going okay, time will prove out 
that you never had the length and the breadth and the reach that you could have had or the blessing or the favor that you could have had because you can only have full expression in this earth when you're rightly planted. If you get wrongly planted, it will look like you've got away with murder for a little while. But time always proves it out. And by that point, it's too late. That's not, that's not manipulation. People can take this as manipulation. I'm not, and I'm prefacing it by saying, God already said that some people are going to separate. So, are you listening to me? I'm, I'm going all over the place, but I need you just to say amen once in a while because on this kind of message, I'm a little bit on, on, on moving soil, okay? All right, because I don't, I'm not organized and I like to be organized. But I, I, I say this to you, and that is... Uh, when he said that to me this morning, preach on that. And of course, in the week about Richard, what Richard said about people moving and separating us up. I said to him standing there this morning in my mind, I said, well, Lord, I know Richard said that you would replace them. But I really don't. My preference wouldn't be that they leave and are replaced. Because now they're new people that I don't know. And I have to start the whole process over again of learning them and trusting them and them being faithful. And then, you know, it just, it's just like, now sometimes that is inevitable. It has to happen. And so I'm, I'll accept that. But in my heart, are you listening? I said, Lord, you're saying to me that there's some that are separating because they don't recognize it. Like Pastor Nancy, they don't recognize it. And they're not saying it. And they're not doing it. When you go visit another church, you're messing with your divine association. Well, well, that's control. You can call it whatever stupid thing you want to call it, control or not. It's not control. It's called wisdom. You don't go and date another woman when you're married to your wife. You don't go have coffee with another woman when you're, when you're in covenant with your wife. And it's the same concept spiritually. You don't go to another church Sunday morning when you're in covenant with your pastor. And the fact that you can't see that shows how dumb you are. And I'm only talking to maybe one or two people. I'm not talking to all of you, so don't get offended. In fact, the one or two that I'm talking to probably aren't here because they're at another church this morning. So maybe when you watch, you'll realize how dumb you are. It has to be said. There's too many lily-livered preachers with no spine, and they just want everybody to feel good. But when the Holy Ghost says, say something, I had a nice sermon that would have made you shout. But that's not what he wants this morning. He wants this flow. And I'm telling you, the reason why Pastor Nancy is safe is because she knows who it is, the divine association. She protects it. She says it. She tells the people that she's connected to that they, that's why she tells me and I'm nobody. I'm under her. And she still takes the time to say, You're divine. there's a connection with you in my life, Craig. I protect it. I'm praying for you and your wife. How much more does she tell the people over her? If she's telling the people under her and she protects it. Now, if that's what God wants to emphasize this morning in light of what he said before I left for camp meeting, you see, it's all interconnected. There are some that aren't going to, there's a, there's a Bethel season and Lot didn't get it. And now Richard Roberts said in this year, and he doesn't know it's Bethel for us, but in this year, there's going to be people that separate. And I think he even said like Lot. <laughs> and so the Lord said, see, I warned you, but you couldn't handle it emotionally then. So I didn't give it clear, but I'm telling you clear. There are people that are going to get separated because they won't recognize what's spiritual. But he said, now don't worry, I'm going to replace them all. Listen to me. He said, I'm going to replace them with better people than who they were. 
which means God loves everybody the same, but there are some people that he considers better than others. People that are faithful and follow his word are more spiritual than the carnal buckets who don't. He loves us all the same, but he can't use us all the same. He loves you, but he wants to be able to use you, not just love you. Do you understand? So he said, I'm going to replace them all. Now, Richard said that. He said, God's going to replace them all. Now, he said that to me this morning. I'm going to replace them all. So don't you have to worry. Don't worry about it, son. I'm going to replace them all with better people. Meaning, not that I love them less, that I love these people less, but, but meaning people that can get it. Because you don't have time to keep renewing, restarting from scratch all the time. Now, when he said that this morning while Taylor's singing, I, I said to him in my mind, Lord, my preference would be, I'm not asking you not to remove them because if they don't get out, if they don't, they're going to hinder the flow and hinder the, the, the race and the momentum and the pace. So yeah, the, the, they probably have to go. But I would prefer, if it's possible, I would prefer not to have them leave and restart with replacements who I don't know. I would prefer the ones that are slated to leave to change. And I said, Lord, is there a way that they can change or is it a done deal? And he said, no, it's not a done deal. It's never a done deal. It's according to their will. So I said, Lord, in my heart, I'm saying, so Lord, you're telling me that even though in your foreknowledge, you know, if things continue the way they're going, they're gone. But if they make an adjustment, they can adjust that course and they can get off that off ramp that they're on right now, about to get off the highway and they can get over into the left lane and keep running with me. And he said, yes, but it's up to them. So how, I think this is why God's doing this this morning, because it's a rescue. How do you make that change? You need to first recognize that God called and connected you to this ministry. You need to recognize that and count it as holy and count it as special and sacred. The second thing you need to do is say to yourself and to your family, I have a divine association. I have a divine connection. I'm not looking at other churches. I'm not looking at other preachers. This is where I'm planted and I'm going to be faithful. You need to say that to yourself and to your family. And at some point, and please don't think I'm trying to say this for any other ulterior motive because I'm not. But at some point this year, you've got 340 something days left. Okay, what are we, the 15th? So what is that? 365 minus 15, 350? You have 350 days left from today. At some point, you need to vocalize that to me. Now, don't call an appointment, please, to vocalize it to me because I don't have enough time to meet with everybody for that purpose. But what you could do is you could send me an email or you could just write a little card and just say, Pastor, I just want you to know that I love you and that I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm connected to you. Amen. And I take it seriously. Sign your name. Don't sign it anonymous. I've had people do that and they sign, sign your sheep. It doesn't help me when you say signed your sheep. I don't know who you are. So I can't go to the Lord and say, and I do. I hold it up to the Lord and I say, Father, do you see this? This person has recognized something spiritual. Now I pray for them and I start to pray for you. How can I do that if you're just the sheep? One person said, you're loving sheep. (laughs) You know, the biggest giver in our Christmas offering would not sign their name, gave me this beautiful card, and then just said, you know, from your congregation member. I I almost took that thing and threw it against the wall. I was so angry because I want to thank the person and show honor for the person for their generosity, but they won't tell me who they are. (laughs) I'll leave that to you. (laughs) 
Some people like to do it anonymously, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just like to be able to thank people and show them honor when, when, they, when they're so kind to us. But don't put your sheep, if you're going to write that or say that, or if you're saying it in passing, and don't make an appointment, and don't make a big deal of it. I'm not trying to be weird. We're not a cult. I don't have insecurity issues that need you to come and tell me. Are you listening to me? From that perspective, I could care less. I'm saying it for your sake. Pastor Nancy doesn't need me to tell her, but I choose to tell her because at least once a year, because I need her to know I take this seriously. This is precious to me. You're not just some other preacher. God divinely connected me with you and I protect that relationship. And pastor, I pray for you. And if you make a decision that I don't always like or agree with, who cares? It doesn't matter how I feel. God connected me to you. As long as you're following Christ, I follow you. You start following into some weird doctrine, well, then that's a different story. I can't follow her if she gets into weirdness. But as long as she's in doctrine and following Jesus, I don't care what kind of food she likes or what decisions she makes in her camp meeting or how long the service goes or this or that. or None of that stuff matters to me because it doesn't, it doesn't def- def- disqualify her. What disqualifies her is false doctrine or demonic activity, which she's not doing. So as long as she's following, I follow. And all the idiosyncrasies with her personality and mine, I yield. I don't ask her to yield. I demure because of the order. Other people under me, they shouldn't be asking me to change for them. They yield to me because that's the divine order. It doesn't mean that you put up with people being a jerk or rude and Pastor Nancy's not like that. And I hope I'm not like that. But, but I'm just saying that I don't, just because we don't always exactly see everything the same. She was saying something at the table a while ago about something in the Bible. And I thought to myself, hmm, hmm, I don't see it that way. In fact, I don't see it that way at all. And I was about to open my mouth and say, give her other verses to prove why I'm right and she might, I'm too afraid to say the word wrong, but just, she might be seeing it differently. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, shut your mouth. And my mind said, but I'm right. And the Lord said to me, I don't care. You know, you don't care if you're right. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. What he cares is that I show honor and I don't split hairs about little things that don't even matter and make her feel like I'm withstanding her about something that doesn't matter. And I just went quiet because it's not my place. Now, that's maybe happened once, maybe twice. If not, I don't even think so. I think once in 15 years because we agree on everything. But even the little tiny things that maybe I don't see eye to eye on from time to time. I think it's happened twice, but I just keep my mouth shut. Why? Because I recognize it's something more important. Are you listening to me? Because some of you were very opinionated during COVID and you just, you withstood me. Some of you to my face privately by emails, by writing. Some of you sent videos. Some of you left me audio messages and you withstood me and told me how I was wrong with the way I was handling it. And now you wonder why things don't go right in your life. You could have been right. I could have been wrong. But the fact that you had the gall to say something, you violated a divine order. Yes. Yes, sir. I hope you're listening to me because I'm trying to rescue some of you. It doesn't matter that you're right and I'm wrong if that was true. And by the way, everything I did, Pastor Nancy counseled me to do. 
And she told me, I'm not very smart at this because I'm not even facing this in my church. You're in uncharted territory, Pastor Craig. Nobody I know is facing what you're facing in Canada. I don't know what to tell you, but I think the best maybe approach would be this or, or that or try this. And if it doesn't work, call me. And I call her and say, it's not working. People are angry. Well, then try this. It's not working, Pastor. People are angry. Well, are you praying, Pastor Craig? Yes. Well, then try this. And then that worked. But everything I did, I got, I got counsel from her. And she didn't know everything either. But do you understand? It wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if she's exactly right or if my actions were exactly perfect. Because you've got to give grace when we're in a place where we don't know what we're doing. Because we never faced it before. It wouldn't matter that I'm actually wrong and you're right if that in God's courtroom was the actual facts. What matters is that you opened your big mouth. You didn't recognize divine order and that that situation did not matter compared to the honor for the office. But you're too quick and carnal to speak your mind because some of you went to churches that they encourage you to speak their mind, your mind. And that's where your problem is. You, if you'd listened to the Holy Ghost, he would have said, shut your mouth. It doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong. It's what it represents when you withstand him. I can't bless you until you repent of that. And repentance means verbal acknowledgement, not sending me a gift. You listen to me? Because somebody sent me a gift and the Lord said to me, they're trying to make it right. And I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, you've already forgiven them. But he said, I haven't. I'm not forgiving them. I remember it says, forgive that your heavenly father in heaven may forgive you. Are you listening to me? He said, this is not done in my books. He said, it's done in your books because you have to walk in love, but it's not done in my books. And I said, Lord, you know, I actually defended the person. I said, you know their heart. You know they're trying to make this right. Why isn't that good enough for you? And he said, because when they withstand an office verbally, not in their mind, if they did it in their mind, they can do it privately between them and me. But when they verbalize it to you, I expect them to verbalize their repentance. And the same way that they offend it is the same way they have to make it right. They have to speak to you with words and say, I was wrong. And they said, until they do that, my hand, I'm giving a season of mercy, then I take my hand off them. Is this the best sermon to do, Taylor, on our first Sunday back? Probably, yes, but in my mind, no. In my emotions, no, because I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. But I'm telling you, the fastest way to become a lot is to get offended and not repent. To get offended and not repent is the fastest way. It will ruin you. It don't matter what I think. I don't, I, don't, I don't vocalize everything I feel. I don't vocalize everything that I, even if I'm right, I don't do it because of honor for that office. And when people open their mouth, they dishonor the office. And when you dishonor an office, you're not dishonoring Craig Field. You're dishonoring the office that God himself gave as a gift to this church. And God takes it personally, even if I don't. You better deal with it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I thought I wouldn't have enough and I have too much. Praise God. We need, to, so we need to recognize divine associations and protect them. If you don't, things are going to take you out. Yes, sir. What is the one thing, what is the one litmus test that I know people are struggling, people are getting ready, is they stop tithing. The second one is they stop serving. And the third one is that they stop showing up as often. They start visiting other places. You're already halfway out the door. You don't realize it. 
If you don't recognize where God planted you and start to act and speak in line with that, you will, you'll find yourself gone. But I'm still going to, I don't mean this meanly, I'm still going to be fine. Okay, I'm still going to be fine. Because he's going to replace. But my love for you doesn't want you replaced. I want you to make the adjustment. I want you to change. In your heart, I want you to acknowledge and just make that tweak and be faithful. Because we need every person running with us. Hallelujah. We need new people coming, but I I want new people coming, adding to the ranks, not replacing holes in the ranks. That this is from the Holy Ghost. It's not from me. Can you you tell the difference that this is not me conjuring a sermon, that the Spirit of God is speaking, and he's trying to get something over to this church? Now, he did say, when when you... when you share this, I want you to read the scripture. So I'm going to read the scripture to you. First King, Second Kings, I wrote down second slings. Because <laughs> when you're rushing, you're writing quickly. So second slings, chapter two. Second Kings, chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by the whirlwind that Elijah went to, with Elisha to from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, I know it, hold your peace. These are spiritual people that stand in offices as prophets that know by the word of wisdom what's about to happen. So the gifts are operating through them. But did you notice that you can have spiritual people that have the gifts operating them, but they're not close to the man of God? There's lots of spiritual people, but not everybody's close with Pastor Nancy. There's lots of spiritual people in the church. That doesn't mean you're close with me. You can even have the gifts operate. That doesn't mean you're staying close. You want the best, stay close. And he said, uh, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, uh, tarry here, I pray thee. Verse 4, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, knowest knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master? So every city had prophets that knew. And he said, hold thy thy peace, I know it. In other words, I don't want to talk to you about that. And Elijah said unto him, tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two of them went on. Notice three opportunities that every word be established by two or three witnesses. This, this had to be established in his life, Jenny, which means he had to say it more than once. He had to say it two or three times to be established. One time could be a fluke. Two times is intentional. Three times is covenant. Three times he said, I'm not leaving you. And notice the prophet, Elijah wasn't encouraging him. Listen, I really think you need to stay here. Come with me. I really think, because there's something big coming, and, and, and you need it. Believe me, the kingdom of God in Israel needs it. Elisha, please, stay with me. Do you, do you see that? Do you see him saying that? So, but what am I saying to you? You, you? you really need to stay with me. There's something big coming. There's something big coming called a revival. I, I, need your, I need your support. You need to stay with me. There's something big coming. You need it as well as I need it. Please stay with me. But did you notice that I'm doing that, but Elijah didn't even do that. Elijah said, stay. Do you understand? So there's a measure of a pastor. I'm not a prophet. So a pastor with a congregation is not a prophet 
without a congregation. The rules are a little different. So I am allowed to say to you, stay, associate, learn. That's what I'm doing. But at the same time, there's also got to be an attitude in me that if you don't, the attitude is, okay, fine. Because I have to trust God to bring the supply. I have to trust God to bring the people. I have to trust God to bring the increase. And not let all my affection and trust be on the people because then I'll listen to you more than I'll listen to God and then we'll start getting off. Become a secret sensitive church wondering wondering what the people want. Saul wanted what the people wanted and he lost his anointing. He said, but the people, but the people, but the people. And Samuel said, it doesn't matter what the people want. Obey God. David was willing to obey God even though the people didn't like him. And he kept his anointing. So part of me is saying, if you don't want to do it, then don't. God will replace you. But the other part of me is saying, please, would you make the adjustment and come with me to Bethel? Come with me to Jordan. Come with me to Jericho. Because there's big things to come. Are you with me? And I'll say this before I read one more verse to you. Uh, He said a few things. He always says things to me when I'm away because I make a sacrifice. And he talks when I make that sacrifice. But I was driving to a store. Jenny was at the hotel. And I was turning, around, uh, turning on the road there. I know exactly where I was. And the word of the Lord came to me in the car. I mean, I wasn't thinking about anything spiritual. I was just in my rest time in the afternoon before the evening service. The word of the Lord came to me just as loud as I'm talking to you and as unexpectedly as I'm driving. I mean, it wasn't in the service. It wasn't with my hand raised. It wasn't at the time I thought he would speak to me. It was just driving in the car. But the word of the Lord came to me just like that in a flash. And he spoke to me clearly. And I want to share this with you because I believe it will encourage you. He said to me, he said, as it was with your home. Listen carefully. As it was with your home where you rented year after year. And you knew I had told you to purchase it, but you couldn't because you had no money. And you kept saying, Lord, redeem the time. And you rented year after year feeling like you were wasting money. Because you knew you had to buy it, but you couldn't in the natural. And he said, do you remember what I did? I said, I sure do. He said, I turned it in a moment. And he said, that Portuguese owner, which I'm now adding my own words, he had a reputation for being, I want the deal. Like, I want, like, you don't take money from this guy. He's going to take money from you. And, and my bracket. I turned it in a moment and that owner, that Portuguese owner, I touched his heart and he decided to sell it to you at a price far below market value. And when we calculated it, every dollar that we had spent in rent from the moment God said buy it, every dollar that we had spent in rent and more than we spent in rent was in one moment made back because he sold it to us for hundreds of thousands less than what it was worth. He said, do you remember that? I said, Lord, I'll never forget that. I was so stressed for so long thinking I was wasting my money and in a moment you turned it and your favor swallowed up the loss. So like he's asking me, do you remember? And I'm saying to him, as I'm driving, I'm saying, yeah, I remember. Nobody's in the car so I can talk to him like I'm talking to you. And then I heard his voice, Jenny. And he said, so shall it be with the church building. I heard him as loud as I'm speaking to you right now. So shall it, and he said it like that. So shall it, strong. So shall it be with the church building. You are renting. And you have been saying, 
Oh, we're wasting money. We don't own. It's in a season of ownership. What's going on? But we don't have the money that they're asking. What are we doing, Lord? <laughs> and you know why God spoke? Because of Pastor Nancy. Because at the table, I'm sitting there. One of the pastors are talking about some other guy. And Pastor Nancy said a statement. She didn't know. She didn't know what it did to me. She didn't even address it to me. She's talking to the other guy. But she's like, oh, yes, I know, Pastor. I know what you mean. And she says, oh, yeah, this other. She didn't say the name. She said, oh, this other minister. I feel bad for him. You know, he's been renting 15 years. No, no equity renting and not buying for 15 years. And when she said that, I felt like a knife go right through my heart. She didn't mean it. She didn't even know that happened. But the devil put a knife through my heart. You see, you're a loser. Even your own mother would be dis displeased with you. That's what I heard. You've been renting and renting from 2010. You're on the 13th year of rentals. You're not even putting money in the bank. You're wasting money and giving it to a sinner. I mean, this just to do it. Now, I know that's not the Holy Ghost because the way it happens. I knew it was like just an attack. And I'm at the table. I can't get. No, you don't. I answer you. You don't, you don't want to do that when you're with the other ministers. So my, under my breath, I said, shut up, Bill. But I'm telling you. That hurt went with me the rest of that day, that night, the next morning. I just, it was like a heaviness on me. What are we going to do with this building, Lord? She's telling me that that's not a good thing to do. And I'm doing it, but I don't have no choice. I, there's not, the, the money's not here, Lord. I don't know what to do. You want us to move up to Barry? I can find a farm and I can buy it with the million dollars that we have. But nobody will come. We have services. They don't even come at the time to the Sunday night service. You think they're going to drive to Barry? You're going to have to translate all of them every week. So then I'm driving in the car, Lorraine, and he said, remember your home? And he said, so shall it be with the church building. He saw what I was going through. And he said, so shall it be strong, Jennifer. And then he said this. He said, the day is coming. I don't know when, <laughs> but I know it's coming. Remember the prophet of God said tomorrow about this time. Remember Reverend Randy in this pulpit said tomorrow about this time. And he didn't even know what I'd preached. I don't know, but it's tomorrow about this time. About this time. Not a specific. It's about this time. He said the day is coming. I wish he had told me when. But he said the day is coming where I'm going to do a miracle for you. I heard him as loud as I'm saying it to you. I'm going to do a miracle for you. He means a financial miracle. And he said in one moment. All the money that you spent in rent will be swallowed up by my victory. In one moment, you'll be caught up as though you never paid rent not one day in your life on the church building. I'm about, I'm going to do a miracle for you. The day is coming. I'm telling you, Joey, I almost ran the car off the road. You know, when you dance, you got to move your feet. I started dancing, but one foot was on the accelerator and I didn't realize it. And my car went, whoo, like that. And I said, I'm not on the Autobahn. I better be careful. There is popos everywhere. And if they catch me, I deserve it. And I took my foot off the pedal and just tried to dance aside from the pedal. In a moment, all that heaviness, all that accusing, all that weight, I'm going to do it for you. The day is coming where I'm going to do a miracle for you. And in one moment... All the money you need will be there and it will swallow up all that you feel is lost. It will be swallowed up in a moment. 
Hallelujah. I don't know how he's going to do it, and I don't personally care. God could touch somebody in China to turn on and listen to Pastor Nancy's Holy Ghost meetings, and they just feel in their heart, listen to Tuesday morning. And God speak to them and say, give that boy $10 million. I don't know how, and I don't care how, but he said, the day's coming. I'm going to do a miracle for you. Now, let me tell you this, that they did a miracle this week for Pastor Nancy. And he happened to, for some reason, use me. We've never done ever, Rob, a, a DM day in the morning, ever. So when they said you're preaching and I'm putting on the microphone in the back room, Chelsea, her assistant, comes in and says, she wants you to do the DM day this morning. And I said, but we never do the DM day in the morning. Why don't I do it tonight? She wants you to do it this morning. So uh, she's talking to me while I'm putting on the, 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 the microphone and David Ellis walks in, <laughs> which made me laugh because he walked over to Pastor Nancy's makeup chest and it's big. And there's a big mirror with lights all around it. And he gets her brush, Kim, and he puts it in something and he's starting to do this on his face. And I said, what are you doing? I'm putting on makeup. Wow, well, if he can do it, I guess it's okay. Then anybody, any guy can do it. So while he's putting on his makeup, he said, that's why he looks so good. He's got makeup. Now he looks good anyway, but while he's putting on his makeup, his, not a lot, just a little tiny bit, but while he's doing that, I'm talking to Chelsea. And I said, how many churches again participated? 21 churches last year. We got just over 50,000. We broke the record. We believe in 50,000 for all these years. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, we're just something, it doesn't matter, brother. Just kind of do your makeup. It doesn't, it doesn't affect you. That's what I was trying to say. It's just, it's just a thing for the ministers. Don't worry about it. What are you talking about? So I started to reluctantly tell him, well, we do this thing once a year. And he said, looks at me and he goes, are you serious? And he starts, he's very animated and very energetic. I love him. He's the sweetest man. He doesn't even, the first time he ever met me in his life. And he came up and he said, I am so happy you're preaching this morning. I wasn't even happy I was preaching that morning. <laughs> He was so encouraging and so loving. And, he, and anyway, long so, so when I get up to do the announcement before I preach, he runs up there, which breaks protocol, and I'm a very protocol man. So at first I'm thinking, but I had said to the Lord, oh, I wish David would help me. And then he came up, and then I'm thinking, why are you here? So it's like, you've got to pay attention to what's out of your spirit, not out of your mind. And then, of course, Cindy Black comes, and uh, they're doing their thing, and I'm, and I, but, but I recognize God was on it. And so I thought, take this. I don't even care if I preach. Take the entire morning. I just, this is more important than my sermon. And so they cast vision. This is time for people to get behind this. So when I left that afternoon, I spoke to them privately to him and Pastor Nancy. And I said, uh, I said, guys, you know, I, I said, Lord, in my heart, I was saying, Lord, how much? And the Lord said to me, a bare minimum of one million. And there's 20 pastors I'm dealing with to give $50,000. Now, for a church, $50,000 is nothing. But I'm dealing with 20 pastors. So then and before the church service, I'm not supposed to go in the green room because I'm not preaching. She's preaching. But I just walked right in there, just bold as a bull. And pastor saw me and said, oh, good, you're here. Come on in. And I said, pastor, I've been praying, and this is what I feel. Good. And David was in there. And, she said, and I said, I feel it's supposed to, I don't know how or when, but we need to, something is important about this. And she goes, okay, well, I, you know, we'll talk about it after service. We'll, we'll talk about it, you know, like at dinner time. Yeah. So I said, okay, no problem. So then we go out in the service. And at the very end, she says, David, you got something? Yeah. And David comes and yeah. yapping in her ear while everybody's singing. I'm thinking, I wonder what he's talking about. He's talking about me. Yeah. 
We need to do And then he says, okay, well, go. She says, go ahead. He was asking permission. And then he says, Pastor Craig, come up here. And then he lays hands on me. I felt power go into me. And he said, now this is an anointing to lead this. No, but I've always been the leader of the DM day because God spoke to me in the car with Dr. Dufresne years ago. But I was happy to give it away all these years. And I still am. And I told her before service, you can give this to David if you want. I'm not competitive. I just want, the, I want the anointed person to lead it. And he obviously is anointed because look what he did this morning. And I think maybe he should run it. And she said to me, no, you're the divine. No, you're the one. You started and it stays with you. So I knew that she wanted me to run it. But then I'm in the service and then I spontaneously calls me up. He lays hands, I feel power go into me. And then he starts going on about this thing. And then if you watched it, you saw like this very, un, we didn't plan anything. Pastor Nancy was wanting to talk about it that night at dinner, let alone doing it. And then he said, now what? And I said, I believe God wants a million. And he says, absolutely, he confirmed. And I said, there's 50,000. He said, absolutely. And he said, 50,000 was the amount I gave, remember? And he's talking about all this with Copeland. And so we took that offering that day. That was Tuesday night. It, it was hinted Tuesday morning. We took it Tuesday night. By Wednesday night, $857,000. That was the last night of the conference. I was discouraged and dejected because the Lord said, bare minimum of a million. And my mind said, don't worry, you got all year. I said, no, no, no. He said a million in this conference. But it's over. So I went to pastor on the last, and I said, I'm, I, I, we're going to get the million, Mom. I, I don't know why I didn't come in. I guess those rotten pastors, God's dealing with them and they won't listen. I said, because he told me I'm dealing with 20. And if just 20 listened, we'd have it. I said, but we got it. She said, Pastor Greg, don't worry. This is wonderful. She's so happy. This is great. Don't worry about it. But in my, I'm bothered because that's not what God said. It's 857. So I was so excited doing the offering on Wednesday night. I forgot to put my offering in. It was in my pocket. So I called Francine, who's like our Rosita, and I said, I'm going to stop by the following day and drop off the offering. So it was Caleb's birthday, so we were having fun with him. And then at about 5 o'clock, just before she went home, I pulled up in the parking lot, and I went and handed her the offering that I forgot to put in the night before. And she said, Pastor Craig, would you like to know something? I said, yes. She said, would you like to know the new number? I said, yes. One million thirty-one thousand dollars two hundred and one. 8.57 Wednesday night, and by 4.30 Thursday, $1,031,201. And I said, did you tell Pastor Nancy? She said, I texted her. I said, woman, how could you have done that? So I paid the phone. I said, have you checked your text yet? No. I said, don't look at it. I want to be the first one to tell you. <laughs> Francine's not anointed to do this. I'm anointed to do this. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. Now, God did it that way. I don't know how God's going to do it for us, but I heard him say, the day is coming where I'm going to do a miracle for you. And all the money for that building, it's going to swallow up every year of rental. It's going to be like you never rented. That takes big money. You can't get that on a $20 offering. That's going to take funders. Everybody's important, but there's an anointing according to 1 Corinthians, sorry, Romans chapter 12. There's an anointing on certain people to give. They're called funders. That's not $20. That's $500,000. That's $1 million. That's multiple people doing $50,000. Just like we witnessed a miracle. We're going to need a lot more than a million to do this next building. Because the building that we're looking at is $15 million and it keeps going up. 
but it's going to all come to pass. I don't know how, but he said to me, I didn't beg. I wasn't crying. I was feeling pain, but I wasn't crying about it. And he said, the day is coming. I'm going to do a miracle for you. So I just want you to know, don't give it a second thought about why aren't we owning yet and why are we spending all this money per month to rent this facility? Don't even give it a thought. This is where we are today. But God is going to swallow up every bit of rent we've ever paid. In one moment, it's going to be as if we never rented, as if we owned the whole time. And some of you, and I say it by the Holy Ghost, some of you are in the same boat personally as I was. Yes, and you, but also others. And God says unto you, I will do it for you. And in one moment, I will swallow up the past. I will swallow up the past and it will be as if there was no loss. And it will be in your, to your great glory to own. Hallelujah. So I say it will come to pass. Now it's 11.58. I'm shocked that it, I could pull it out as far as I did. But let me just take you to one more scripture. Go two chapters into the future. 2 Kings chapter 4. I won't read it for all of sake, but this is the story of the great woman. And her son died. And this is Elisha. Remember, Elijah's gone to heaven. He went to heaven in chapter 2. This is Elisha, the one that got the double portion. Remember, she made a, a room for him. She perceived he was a man of God. Now the son is sick and the son died. She says to her husband, I'm going. He says, but it's not a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, it's not a special occasion. Why are you going to see the man of God? She didn't even tell her husband the son was dead. You listening to me? Some things you shouldn't tell certain people. In fact, some things you shouldn't even tell your mate. And I say that very carefully because I believe in telling your mate everything. But if your mate is, an, is, is not believing and is going to hinder your faith, her husband would have hindered her faith. She didn't even tell the husband. She says, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm going. She said to the guy with the, who's riding her on the donkey, don't, don't, don't go slow because I'm a girl. You ride as hard as you can. If I need you to slow down, I'll tell you. So they're beating that, that animal, that burrow, and he's running fast. And she gets to him now, verse 27, and when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by his feet, but Gehazi came here to thrust her away. Good ministry of helps. And the man of God said, leave her alone. For her soul is vexed within her and the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take thy staff in thine hand and go thy way. And if you meet a man, salute him not. And if any salute you, answer him again not. In other words, you're on a mission, stay focused. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. Now watch now, verse 30. Now the Lord reminded me of this this morning while I'm standing there in worship. He said, do you remember Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as I so lives, I will not leave thee? I said, yes. And he said, and do you remember that it wasn't just Elisha that said it? It was a congregation member that said it. This woman represents symbolically one of his followers. One of the persons that had said, I'm connected to you. Stay in my home. Be close to me. In your version, it's the pastor in your life. Are you listening? And what does she say? And the mother of the, Lord, of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Where did she hear such phraseology? She heard it from Elisha himself. Yeah. 
Because if he's staying in her home, he's obviously going to be talking about his spiritual father. He's going to be talking about Elijah. He's going to be talking about the miracles. He's going to be talking about, I went and he told me to stay. And I said, as the Lord lives, and I, said, I would not leave thee. And then he said again, and I said the same. You don't think Elisha told the lady the stories of what he went through? He's living in her house. They've got time to talk. There's no internet. There's no Netflix. They talk. A forgotten word today. They actually talk. Don't you think he, Taylor, told her, this is what I did? This is what I said? Look at what happened? That lady heard it because she's saying verbatim. And now she's in a trouble. And the congregation member comes to the man of God and says, even though she's in trouble, as the Lord lives and as I so lives, I will not leave thee. And of course, he's not going to argue with this because he knows. <laughs> How can I argue with her? I'm the one that taught her to say that. I wouldn't let Elijah argue with me. When Elijah said, stay here, I never, I, never, I never listened to him. I stayed with him. So how can I tell this lady, get up and leave me? She said, I, I can't. I told her that I didn't let Elijah tell me no. How's she going to let me tell her no? So notice he didn't even argue with her. He simply said, and he arose and followed her. No argument. Okay, you've pulled the trump card. You're using my statement to my spiritual father back to me. Okay, I know I can't argue with this, so let's go, sister. I know I got Gehazi ahead of me, but obviously you're not happy with just Gehazi. You don't want second string. You want, you want the man of God. So I'm coming with you. And of course, Gehazi, because he was sinning in his heart. You know, was, anointing wasn't going to work for him anyway. Because he, he's not right. So, of course, the staff would have worked. That should have been a clue to Gehazi. Hey, the anointing's not working. Uh, it's not the man of God's issue. It's probably your issue. But anyway, that's another sermon. So he gets there, and you know, he raises that child from the dead. But I just want to emphasize that he taught the congregation, so to speak, symbolically. It's important that you understand who you're connected to. Because no matter what you face... That anointing with your faith. It's, you got to have your faith. We're in the New Testament now. Your faith has to be connected as well. But the anointing on that office with your faith, it will, it will change things. Yes. Hallelujah. And so she repeated to him what he had taught her. And the Lord reminded this is holy. this is holy. The Lord reminded me. I had actually forgotten that. And the Lord reminded me and said, when I say to you to tell the congregation to recognize their divine supply and to stay loyal, and to not let things separate them, and to not let their pride separate them, and to deal with things that they need to deal with and humble themselves. When I tell you, to, when I say that as the Lord lives and as I sold, I'm not just saying for you to talk to your Elijah. Yeah. I'm telling you to teach your great woman. Yeah. I'm having you teach your people like Elisha taught his people. Right. And I expect them to respond back that way to you like the woman responded to Elisha. Because it wasn't in a vacuum with just Elisha and Elijah. It was the next spiritual generation. It was Elisha down to the woman. Are you with me? It's not just me to her. It's you to me. It's not just me to her. It's her to him. It's her to Dr. Dead. It's her to Kenneth Copeland. She has to do her up. She has her down. That's me and the others. I have to have my up. And I have to have my down. That's you toward me. Are you with me? Now, he reminded me this is supernatural. Believe me, I did not remember that in my brain. 
I'm just thinking, well, he said to his spiritual father that, and I still pass an answer to that, so I'm going to encourage them to say that to me, although it doesn't really apply because it's about me upward. But anyway, Lord, I'll still tell him because I know you're telling And he said, no, but it is right because he taught the next generation and they repeated it back to him. So tell your congregation boldly, know who you're divinely connected to and guard that relationship. It's important that you listen and you guard it. Because that's where the blessing, that's where the, that's where the key is. Not just for your little life, although your life is important, but for the kingdom of God. There's something more important than my life, my individual life. It's the plan of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's the revival of God. It's churches around the world. It's our new building. It's the glory center. It's souls. It's a move of heaven. That's more important than just my little life. My little life has meaning because of all of that. Your life has meaning not just because of your job and your RSP. Your job has, your life has meaning because of the plan of God that you are attached to that is so much bigger than you and me. It's a plan that is huge for the city and for the world. And your life gets more meaning when you supply that and you run with that. So when people leave because of their cute little life, Remember that person, Taylor? Taylor had a word for somebody that the devil was working on. Working through a family member on their mind to separate. And God gave him a word and he called that person and he said, you've got a cute life. You don't normally use the word cute, but the Holy Ghost authored that phrase. You've got a cute life, a cute this, a cute that, a cute this. But your cuteness is not the deal. The plan of God and the kingdom that you are attached to in this church is more important than your cute little life. Did she listen? No. Did she leave? Yes. Because she didn't listen to the Holy Ghost speaking through a man. Or me, because I warned as well. I can't make people listen, Gloria. I can only warn them when God tells me to warn them because it's more than your cute little life. And you can't just find a church down the street. When God plants you, he plants you. You can't find the same flow and the same DNA and the same anointing. Just because you find a good preacher does not mean it's the same. If he puts you here, you don't go date that girl because you're a little bored with this girl. If he married you to this girl, you stay faithful to this girl. You don't go and and, and look. That's what these people are doing. There was a marriage covenant spiritually as, as a sheep and a shepherd. But they get bored. So they go look for another, another thing. And then they wonder why, they wonder why. Now I end with this and I really do mean it, end with this. I can't say details because it would be wrong. But I hear the Holy Ghost say, tell that example. So I'm in my mind saying, how do I tell that example while protecting the integrity of that person? I've noticed God don't care that too much about the integrity of the person. What he wants is to save the group. But I don't want to hurt anybody or have any letters. So I have to protect the integrity of the person. But I'll simply say this. There was a former congregation member that wasn't coming for a long time that started coming back. And they told one of the people on my staff, God's told me to get my life right and that I'm to be connected. I know I'm to be connected, but I'm so busy. I've got so many distractions and I'm just, but I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to, I promise you, I, I promise you, this is it. I'm making the change. Well, that was the only time they came. All those words were nothing. They stayed away. They befell a terrible, awful, I mean awful accident. 
in the hospital, going through surgeries, almost died, and I'll leave it at that. And I was praying for them. And the Lord spoke to me. I'm telling you, this is, this is things that pertain to the spirit. You want to grow up? Listen. Because this, this, is, this, is this is a growing up moment. And the Lord said, would you like to know what happened? I said, I absolutely do. And I think I have a right because even though they're unfaithful, they still call me their pastor. I have a right to know. Please speak to me, Father, if, if you would be so kind. And he spoke to me. He said, I've watched him and how they won't listen. Because things are more important to them than I am and than the local churches. And I gave them a season of mercy. And I've been dealing with them for months to come back. And they finally listened. And they came back. Now listen to this. This is very key. He said, I heard the covenant that they made. What's he talking about? When they started saying, I promise, I promise, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to start being faithful. I know it. I'm just distracted. But I know this is, I know that he's my path. That's called a covenant. They were making words of, of, uh, they were honoring with their words and making promises. He said, I heard their covenant. When you say things, you better be careful because God's listening to you. And, and I was quiet because I could tell it. There's not a moment that you answer God back. It was a holy thing. And he said, I heard their covenant. He said, it's strong. And he said, when they violated that covenant, I took my hand of mercy off them. It actually would have been better for them not to come, promise something, and then violate it. It would have been better not to show up at all because they would have stayed in that season of mercy. But by coming and saying things, see, God holds you to your words. By coming and promising and making covenants and then just disregarding those words like they're nothing and completely ignoring them. That God takes offense to. And he said, I took my hand, this is how we've heard it. I took my hand of mercy off them. And he said, and look how fast destruction came. When my hand was removed. That means God is protecting people a lot more than they realize. Even though they're not right. They're not living right. They're not putting first things first. They're not tithing. But because they, they, have, they have made some promises and he honors the past and he honors their faithfulness of years gone by. There is a season of mercy. And when that hand is on you, there's much the devil cannot do. But when you mess around with holy things and he takes that hand off, I would not want to be where you are because the devil has an open door to come and cause destruction. And I said, Lord, what do I do with that? He said, pray, pray that that person will recognize and not just chalk this up to random problems. Pray that they would connect the dots that they would recognize this happened because of that. And that they will make the change. I said, should I tell them? I will go and tell them. I'll happily go and tell them. And I'll tell them gently, Lord. I won't tell them mean. I'll tell them gently. He said, no. I said, but Lord, let me tell them. I want to tell them. He said, if they start coming and renew their faithfulness, I'll give you permission. But while they continue to disregard the local church, no. God is so just and yet he's so, the more I learn how he, we are, we are so diplomatically correct compared to God. We are so, oh, let's not do this. God is very, he's loving, but he's very, very particular. 
And the faster you learn that about him, the better off you'll be. He loves people. He doesn't want people to be hurt. But he will hold you to your words. And then when bad things happen, he's hoping that you'll connect the dots of why it happened so that it never happens again. But he won't let me talk because I'm not allowed to give counsel unless people are faithful. Do you understand? I don't have a right to go and counsel just anybody. You have to be a member. And even if you're a member, you have to be coming. I don't have the anointing won't work for me to counsel you if you're not coming because you'll reject what I say. You've got to be sitting under the services. And then in the back room, the anointing will help you. So I'm not even allowed to say anything, but he said, pray that they connect the dots. And if they return, then you can talk to them. So what I'm doing is I'm praying, Lord, let, him, let that person connect the dots. Let that person connect the dots. Lord, speak to them. Give them a dream. Give them a dream if they don't know the inward witness. Put somebody in their pathway. Put somebody across their path to say it to them. It can't be me, but it might be somebody else, a family member, whoever. But let them connect the dots. We're not playing games here. Your prosperity is connected. Your health is connected. Your protection is connected. Everything is connected to the obeying the plan. You get out of the plan, you're, you're, you're asking for trouble. Stay in the plan. If the plan is this church and you drive far, tough luck. Use your faith for more gas or move closer. If this is the plan, then guard that. Live wherever you want, but don't complain that you have to drive. Are you with me? When something happens that you don't like, well, why do we have four songs? I think we should have seven. Don't be opinionated. Just go quiet. It's not a big deal. I know who I'm connected to. I don't have to worry. Pastor Greg can make, that's not enough. Devil, you can't use that. All right. As the Lord lives and as I so lives, I will not leave thee. That's what she said to him. That's what he said to the other guy. The Lord said, tell them that because when Pastor Nancy said, I know my associations and I protect them. What she's saying is, you better watch who you talk about in my presence. And I think it's because she's picking up in the spirit that not everybody likes Brother Copeland. But she's not saying that because she's not saying that because God didn't give her permission to say that. That's just my thought. I could be wrong. But I thought it interesting in half a sermon in 11 services, she said four times. I know my divine connections and I protect them. And if you go against them, me and you break fellowship because I protect my fellowship with my divine connections. And the Lord said, now I was emphasizing that through her and I'm emphasizing that to your congregation right now. Tell them to connect the dots. Tell them to wake up. Tell them to understand how the spirit world works. Tell them that this, if they, if they know they're supposed to be here and yet they're slighted by their own flesh to be a lot and leave, they can turn it today. They don't have to leave. They can turn it right now. They can humble themselves and make the tweak and stop being so opinionated about everything and recognize we're not going, we're not, the mount, the molehill is not what matters. The mountain is what matters. Don't stumble over small things. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Because we're going on anyway with or without you. But if you'll stay, God was going to use you because your life matters, not because you make money or you look so good or you have a nice house. That doesn't really matter. What matters is the kingdom and the plan of God and your involvement in it. That's what matters. You know what, what somebody that went to heaven told me? They went to heaven and, and they said, people in heaven, the previous, you know, the cloud of witnesses, they said, they don't care about what car you buy. They don't even know. They don't care if you buy a mansion or a shack. They have no interest in your purchases, in what kind of job you get. They, they don't care. In heaven, they're not looking at that. 
But they said what they are interested in is what's happening in the local church. What they're interested in is what's happening with that church and what it's doing in the mission field. Your involvement in the plan of God is what they're looking at. They don't care what, what kind of suit you got, what shoe brand you've got, or what house you live in. Heaven doesn't care. God wants you prosperous. But it's not the point. The point is the plan of God. What is God doing? And are you involved in that? And are you doing your piece of the puzzle to make that a beautiful picture? That's what heaven is interested in. Not how many vacations you go, how rich you are. What are you doing for the kingdom of God? That's the only thing that matters. And when we're talking about the kingdom of God, you being in the right church is massively critically important to your part in the kingdom of God. Me being rightly connected is massively incredibly important to me fulfilling the plan of God. I still look at people I went to Bible school with 25 years ago. They're still doing the same old nonsense they did before. Running around, going to this conference, just like a chicken with their head cut off. No vision, no purpose, no nothing. And their ministries don't go anywhere. They just yeah. go in circles. And one of them, I said, you need a spiritual father. Yeah. Well, don't tell me what I need to do. Okay. But they just asked me, how come you're so blessed? Because I have a spiritual father. That's it. That's it. And then they started. I said, you need one. you me? I said, that's why in 20 years from now, you're going to be the same stupid person that you are today. You're going to be going in the same circles 20 years from now that you are right now. And you've been going for 25 years in the same circles. You know what? Because you're too proud to admit that you need to humble yourself under another office who's higher than you. Because you want to be the big cheese. The grande queso. Well, they were Spanish, so I had to speak it in their language. You want to be the grande queso. God wants you to be the pequeña boro. He wants you to be the small donkey. Let Jesus get on your back and he'll ride you to glory. Amen. You just humble yourself. What did, what did he say? Let me de- decrease and let him increase. Why don't you just humble yourself, look like, act like a beast of burden and connect who God connected you to instead of trying to be the big cheese all the time. I said, that's why your ministry doesn't go anywhere and that's why mine is because I understand I can't do this without somebody over me and you're convinced that you can. That's why you're wasting your time. And you know, they, they didn't listen. They just accused me of being controlling and manipulative. And they walked off. I don't need that person in my life. Then they had the gall to call me and ask me if they could come and preach at my church. <laughs> and I said, why would I let you preach at my church when you utterly reject my counsel? How do I know you're not going to get in and do a sermon about how you don't need a spiritual father? <laughs> father, in Jesus' name. We thank you like Dad Hagen said, you bless their good hearts and their stupid heads. Because a lot of people have good hearts, but they've got stupid heads. And Dad Hagen said that all the time because he saw so many people with good hearts, Jesus. Good hearts, but their minds are not renewed. Their thinking is wrong. And that's why he said stupid heads because their thought process is ignorant. So Lord, I don't want to have a congregation full of good hearts and stupid heads. I want a congregation full of good hearts and renewed minds. So I thank you that you're doing a work today, Lord. You know the sermon I prepared. I came ready. But Lord Jesus, you changed it. And even though it's a bit disjointed in some ways, the precious anointing connects all the dots and makes it feel like it's a smooth flow. I thank you for the anointing that did that this morning. I thank you that they will, con- they will recognize their connections and protect them. That they won't be ones that Richard said or that you said in Bethel that are going to be lots to separate. They'll make the tweak now and they'll make a change. 
in Jesus' name. Because, Lord, big things are ahead. Their life matters to the kingdom of God, and it gives their life purpose to be included in the plan of God. And the plan of God is not just individually, it's with the local church. Because you said through Dad Hagen, what you're doing in the end days is you're raising up strong local churches who will flow with the Word and the Spirit. And Lord, we're a strong local church that's flowing with the word and the spirit. And I thank you that you're, you're gathering armies to my, to my banner. Let them not be separated. I know they'll be replaced, but my love for them wants them to make a tweak. So Lord, help them connect dots like you're helping that other person connect dots. Let them recognize the importance of faithfulness and the importance of their words. And I thank you, Father, that at some point, if they, if they mean it, if they feel it, they'll some, they'll tell you, they'll tell others, but they'll have a chance to tell me at some point this year, even with just a little one-sentence card to say, I'm with you and I renew, I renew my honor and I recognize the, my divine associations. And, and see, Lord, it's important that they say it. I say it to Pastor Nancy. I don't just act it out. I say it. It's important that they say it, whether by verbal or by written that they say it, because it will help solidify that decision. And then, then when the attack comes to separate, they'll be stronger to withstand it. Lord, I thank you for those that have made mistakes in the past. Lord, we've all made them, me included, and that maybe have violated that divine order by withstanding or by speaking against. Lord, let them make the adjustment not only inside, but if they made that to my face, let them make that adjustment to my face because an eternal does not replace an external. When the offense was external, the repentance must be external. Lord, when I do things wrong publicly in front of the congregation, you never let me repent privately. I always have to publicly announce to the people that I was wrong because by the medium that I make the mistake, I, by the same medium, I have to make it right. So I thank you, Father, that you help these people make the adjustment and that they'll do it quickly because some of them things are not going right in their life because they won't repent and you don't count anything that is repentance other than a heartfelt spoken word. So I think that they make the correction and they humble themselves to do it. And I believe things will turn and they will turn rapidly for them. In fact, I say it in the name of Jesus. Under the anointing of God, I say it. Those that need to make it right. Lord, if they will humble themselves and do it, I say it will turn for them. It will turn. That situation will turn and it will become to their good very quickly. But you're looking for humility so that you can exalt us. The pride, you know, proud, you know, far away. But the humble, you give grace and power and you exalt. So I thank you, Lord, that we have a congregation filled with humility. In Jesus' precious name.